Sharon Yellen. Welcome to episode three of Writers Week 2022. And this is my colleague, Angie Kessler. In this episode, Mrs. Patterson will talk to Anthony Kiko, former director of communications. And we'll be hearing from my student, Aaliyah Gridine. Oh, she's my student. Um, she might have been yours first, but she's mine last. Just saying, senior. <laughs> okay, ladies, okay. And my student, Drea Bethley. Sit back, relax, and enjoy our podcast. Hi guys, this is Mrs. Patterson here, ready for another edition of Writers Week. Today we have with us Mr. Anthony Kiko. He is the Hazelwood School District's former Director of Communications. So hi, Mr. Kiko. Hello, I'm very excited to uh, join everyone today. Um, I really am a big fan of this project and this whole idea of storytelling uh, and sharing information about uh, each other to help us all grow. So I'm excited to share my story with everyone. Excellent. Okay, so um, Mr. Kiko, you've been with the district for um, about two years now, is that correct? And then you've been in education a little bit longer than that, working in the same same position in other districts. Um, and then when you uh, told everybody that you were leaving, you shared with us this really interesting bit of your past that you actually were a high school dropout. Yeah, um, I definitely had an interesting journey um, that you wouldn't think I went through just glancing at my resume or mm -hmm. meeting me in person, but um, I've made a point for a number of years to share my story when possible. Uh, as you mentioned, um, I'm working as a strategic communicator and have for several years with a few years of uh, that time being in education. Um, I'm also a University of Minnesota graduate, a Ronald E. McNair scholar, and an Associated Press Award-winning writer. But as you mentioned, I also dropped out of high school when I was 15 years old. Yeah, that's incredible. That especially as you know, teachers, you know, when we heard that, we're like, wow, what obstacles he must have had to overcome to get from the disengaged student to a fully engaged student that has goals and, you know, becomes a successful person. So I think we really all would like to hear about that story. So it really just starts back to the beginning. Um, I was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota to Jolene Kiko, a white woman from Minnesota and James Canada, a black man from Alabama. Uh, initially, my life appeared to be headed in a really positive direction. Um, I was a happy kid who liked school and really loved to smile. Um, and then as I entered my teenage years, things really changed. Um, mental and physical illnesses pre prevented my father from playing a uh, big role in those formative years. Through that trauma and some insecurities, I really molded myself into this troubled, angry, confused teenager. And by the time I reached the sophomore year uh, of my high school uh, time, I decided that school wasn't for me anymore, that it wasn't a good use of my time. I had a lot of friends around me who were also dropping out at the time, and I was much more of a follower than a leader at that point. Um, it just felt more natural. Another thing that I sort of struggled with at that time was I didn't necessarily understand any sort of um, talent or passion 
for myself. There was nothing that I identified with. I wasn't an athlete. Um, I wasn't um, very outspoken. In fact, I was extremely shy. I, I very rarely spoke and, you know, was very insecure, belonged for whatever reason. Because of that, I felt uncomfortable in school very often. And I had some behavioral issues. And then again, I just didn't see the purpose of continuing on in school because at that point I hadn't identified any sort of dream. There was nothing that I dreamed of doing when I became an adult. So there was no motivation for me to continue in school. And that's really what I struggled with. So when I was about 15 years old, um, I decided that I just wasn't going back to school. Um, and over the next couple of years, I made a series of poor decisions. Well, my mother was really doing everything she could to raise a successful child. I seemed to be doing everything I could do to make sure that she failed. And then in March of 1999, when I was about to turn 18, uh, something changed. My son was born and I became a father. I was just 17 years old. That really motivated me to turn my life around and uh, follow a different path. Before my son took his first step, I had earned a GED. A few months after that, I decided to enroll in an English course at a community college that was down the street from where I lived. Through that experience, I really realized that I had a passion for writing. And for the first time in my life, I found something that I enjoyed doing and I found something that I was good at doing. Um, it really came naturally uh, to me at that point, and it was fun. And from there, it just really snowballed for me. Um, I started to think about what I could do as a writer. Could I write books? Could I be a journalist? Because I enjoyed reading stories in the newspaper and reading about famous journalists from decades ago, like Langston Hughes and folks like that who really inspired me. And that sort of allowed me to form a dream and start thinking about something beyond uh, what I was doing. And um, after taking that initial uh, English course and doing really well, I took a few more classes and I really just started to get in the flow of it. And I received so much help from counselors um, at the community college and also encouragement from my mother. My mother was the type of person and she actually was an educator as well. She was a um, former special education teacher. She was the kind of person who was always there to support me and encourage me and help me in any way that she could. Even when I was doing the wrong things and not on the right path, she still had hope for me. She hadn't given up on me. And when it was clear that I had made a change and that I demonstrated that I was committed to moving in a different direction, she really stepped up in a myriad of ways to just support me and allow me to pursue those dreams. Because as I mentioned, I was a 18 year old with a son. By the time I started going to community college, I was about 19 and I had those sort of responsibilities and it can be very challenging and it was, but fortunately I had her help. As I mentioned, uh, I took a few more courses at the community college and did really well. And eventually I had a counselor encourage me to apply for a scholarship to transfer to the University of Minnesota. And I got in. I, I took the leap of faith and uh, applied to the journalism school there, which is a really um, well-known, um, prestigious journalism school 
And really what they looked at were my grades from community college, my application, and then some of the things that I had in terms of like endorsements for the work that I was doing and the progress that I had made. And before you knew it, I was in the mix with all the other students. I was right there on campus at one of the largest universities uh, in the country. Uh, at that point, I was about 22 years old. So I was an older student. Um, I was a father, of course. And then I also had my background, which made me um, you know, pretty unique. I was really, really proud and felt a tremendous level of accomplishment to gain admission to the University of Minnesota. However, I really struggled when I arrived on campus to reconcile my past with my present. It was difficult for me to feel like I belonged. I sort of in some ways felt like I was like a fraud because I was surrounded by uh, students who graduated at the top of their high school, who aced the SATs and were expected to attend a top university, whereas me, I often thought to myself, what, what am I doing here? Do I really belong here? Maybe it was just, maybe this is as far as I'm supposed to go. You know, I was out of my depth. Um, so it was a struggle for me for my first year at the University of Minnesota. But fortunately, I met um, a group of students who belonged to a fraternity uh, by the name of Alpha Phi Alpha. And they encouraged me to continue to pursue my dreams. It was the first time in my life that I had been around um, other black men who were educated and had, you know, extremely high level of expectations for themselves and goals. I just didn't grow up around that. Not that I had a bunch of negative influences, but some of that influence was just missing. As I mentioned with my father not being able to be there uh, because of those uh, physical and mental health issues. And they encouraged me to keep going and keep pushing. It really just inspired me not to give up. And I started to lay the groundwork to make all of my dreams a reality over the next three years at the University of Minnesota. Wow, that's that's incredible. I'm so glad that you're able to find that support because that must have just been daunting to, I mean, you, here you came so far having a son and then, you know, getting into this, you know, great program to then feel that sense of, oh, do I, oh, do I really belong here? So that's great that you found that group. So my next question is actually, what do you think the difference was between the high school writing programs and the college writing programs that you are not engaged in the high school programs and you were engaged in the high, in the college programs? Was it just your state of mind or was there something you know, a little bit different about the level of expectation? I think it was definitely my state of mind. And it also was my um, exposure to writing. Um, I think that what happened for me is when I was in elementary and middle school, I didn't have enough exposure to writing and to all of the things that um, you can learn through it and all the things that uh, you can touch um, through the written word. So I never discovered that I had a talent or passion for it. And without that, I didn't have the motivation to continue in school. And then when I came back to school at a later time, it was right in front of me. The, 
very first class I, I participated in was an English course. So I was reading books, I was writing, and it was right there for me. I also found myself as an elementary school student or through middle school. That's okay. That's really interesting to know. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, you know, I heard you say you're you reading the books and you're writing about the history and what was there one story in particular that stands out to you as being very um, instrumental in, you know, giving you those aha moments? I think for me, I always gravitated toward, or initially gravitated toward memoirs. I love the idea of people writing about their lives. And I think that I found a sort of motivation through that to say, well, maybe one day I'd like to write about my life. That would be really cool because I know that I've been through some some unique things and I'd like to do that, but I need to obviously learn how to write and I need to continue to read these stories of others who have went through uh, different trials and tribulations and um, see the way that they've explained them um, through the written words. So that was interesting to me and that caught my attention, the real stories, things that people had actually been through so it served as another sense of motivation because I felt, well, it would be great for me to one day write a memoir. But then I thought, well, I have to do more. I have to, I have to, that, that means I have to continue to pursue these dreams and I have to pr pursue something, um, you know, that is, that is of interest and um, something that will allow me to have the type of experiences that would be worth reading about that I would enjoy reading about. So that was almost like a, another sense of motivation for me to say, okay, I'm going to pursue a career in journalism because I know that'll be really interesting. And one day when I'm able to sit down and write about my journey and my life, I'll be able to tell those stories and that will be helpful for me. That's really cool. So um, I love how you that just spurred you to do even more, expand even more. Um, so I guess that's then kind of leads us into the next question. I'd like you to talk about why journalism, because, you know, writing, you, you could have gone into marketing and advertising. You could have just gone into with an English degree. So what was it about journalism specifically? And what, why do we need more kids to go into journalism in order to do more for the world and tell stories? So I think there was a, a few things for me. I think that although I was, and I am an introvert, and I was a very shy kid, and I was the sort of kid who had trouble making eye contact with people, and I would keep my head down, and, and, th and those sort of things, I think having that background, and then turning my life around, I knew that I wanted to confront some of those fears, and I wanted to have an opportunity to not hide. And when I looked at journalism and particularly television journalism, I saw it as an opportunity for me to sort of come out of my shell and come out of this sense of uh, shyness uh, and let go of some of these insecurities that I had, you know, going all the way back to before I was a teenager. That's really what sort of pulled me in that direction. I also had a really wide range of interests. At that time, um, when I started going to college, I, I was interested in sports. I started to become a little more aware of politics and how that shaped our world. And that became of interest to me. And I knew that I liked variety. I, did, I wanted a job that, um, and a profession and a life that would be interesting. And I thought that that would be a great way for me to find that through journalism and through some of the people um, 
who had pursued those sort of careers, it seemed like their lives um, really stood out. Uh, also, um, I was fortunate that I had a few people in Minnesota at that time when I was growing up who um, were television reporters who were also black and I connected with them. It, seeing them working in television and on television, it, it made me more motivated. And I also saw it as a way to um, sort of right some of the wrongs of my past because I knew that um, there were people who knew me when I was, you know, around 14, 15, and I was making really poor decisions and had a negative view of me. And I thought that if I pursued a public career where I would, um, you know, have success and it would be public, that it would be a way to show them that I, that I turned it around and, and that I did um, come out of the, the mistakes that I made and that, um, you know, I, I didn't continue on the path that I had been on when uh, I interacted with them. That's very interesting. Wow. So you just, you needed to make everybody proud. Okay. That's great. <laughs> so um, do you mind sharing just a, a couple of memories maybe about your, I see that you had a congressional intern job in back yeah. in 2008, just a couple memories of working in DC. That always sounds exciting. Yeah. yeah. So as I mentioned, um, once I sort of got over my initial shock of being a member of the student body at the University of Minnesota started to really dive into pursuing all of my dreams, opportunities really started coming my way. Um, the first one actually came um, with an internship opportunity at uh, CARE 11, which is the top news station in Minnesota. So I got to sit in the newsroom and um, work with reporters and see the connection between politics and journalism in a lot of ways. Through that experience, I was inspired to apply for uh, an internship to work for Congress. And it's really interesting how this worked out because it was a really competitive internship. A lot of people wanted it, of course. I wasn't a political science major, and typically those that went to those folks, I was a journalism major, and I wanted to get a leg up on getting this opportunity. I had read somewhere that the congressman who um, whose office the internship uh, was going to be with was going to speak at the community college that I went to a few years uh, before that. When I found that out, I connected with the counselor who helped me apply to the University of Minnesota, and he invited me back to uh, this event where the congressman was, and I went to the event, and he introduced me to the congressman as, you know, this wonderful student, and he's at the University of Minnesota now, and he applied for your internship, just so you know, and the congressman, you know, said, oh, yeah, you know, tell my office, call my office. And it just kind of seemed like one of those things where he's blowing you off and you, you just say, ah, well, you know, at least I gave it a shot. I, I introduced Great. myself. Yeah. That'll be the end of it. But I did eventually end up getting an interview, which everybody had. Everybody who applied got an initial interview. And when I went into the interview and I introduced myself, they knew me. He did remember me and he did share my name with his hiring team and I have to think that it played a significant role in their decision to uh, hire me for the internship. So I got to travel to DC for a full semester and live there for uh, six months. And it was in the spring 
of 2007, right in the heat of when Barack Obama was beginning his run for president. Wow. So I got to be there in the thick of things in D.C. It was my very first time being away from home. I hadn't had any sort of other experience, but I was um, living in intern housing. I lived two blocks away from the Supreme Court so I could walk there and take pictures. And I walked to the Capitol and worked at the Capitol every day. I worked in the congressional office. And in addition to taking constituent phone calls, one of my jobs was to give tours of the Capitol. So I learned all about all the historic things uh, that had happened there. Just got to really get such a great glimpse into the history of our country and all the things that have shaped, you know, America and politics. And just being there in that atmosphere, it inspired me so much because I was around all these other interns who, you know, were going on and it dreams of, you know, being congressmen and women and, you know, working in business and all these other things. And experiencing that culture just was uh, an amazing thing for me. And at that time, I, I sort of went back and forth and thought, well, I'm studying journalism and I want to work as a journalist, but, you know, maybe maybe I'll work in politics at some point. Maybe I'll be a communications person for a politician or maybe I'll even run for office one day myself. Uh, but what happened when I was there, I found myself gravitating even more toward the media and the journalists who were uh, in Washington, D.C., covering um, the politicians and covering the presidential elections. You know, I got to sit in congressional hearings when um, General Petraeus was answering questions about um, the war in Afghanistan and Barack Obama is sitting there as a senator questioning him. I was in the room for all of those things. And it just really inspired me to um, continue on toward my dreams and to um, pursue journalism because I wanted to be the uh, the storyteller of the things that were happening. I didn't necessarily want to be the story. I said, I don't know that I want to be General Petraeus or Barack mm -hmm. Obama. I want to be the person in the room telling the stories about them uh, and highlighting their, their, uh, their lives and the work that they're doing. I finished that internship and came back to the University of Minnesota for my senior year, did really well, and finished uh, my last uh, year. I was on the dean's list. Then in May of 2009, I walked across the graduation stage for the very first time in my life with my mother watching and my son there as well, which was just a great experience for, for all of us. And then um, about a month after that, I uh, landed uh, my first reporting job in a very small town in northern Minnesota, um, a job as a news anchor. So I was working as a news anchor. I made probably about $12 an hour. So it was a very low paying job, but I was living my dream. It was almost like an extension of, of college. And I got to work uh, as an anchor and be on TV every day. And I was um, learning about journalism. I was telling stories um, about things that were happening uh, in that community. A lot of stories about farms because farming was big in that area. Um, but I really thrived as a reporter because um, I got into the storytelling and I was able to make connections with people. And it just really was something that I enjoyed doing. And I really got to be creative as a writer, which was fun for me. And um, after about a year there, I um, received an opportunity to go work as a reporter in Dayton, Ohio, um, which is a bigger market. And 
that was also a great experience for me. I spent two years there and um, I was able to uh, do a story about a um, soldier who uh, was killed in Afghanistan and I connected with uh, his father and um, through that story, first of all, I developed uh, a lifelong relationship with the family, um, but also um, was able to give his father a chance to tell his son's story in his own words. And I think that it was some some level of healing Mm -hmm. uh, for the family. And through that story, I won an Associated Press uh, Writing Award. And again, it just was like a reminder um, of the, the work and the importance of, of the work. And, 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 you know, again, the thing that I really point to is the relationship that I developed with the family that lasts to this day. And um, I was there for two years and probably uh, maybe two weeks after I won that award, I got an offer to come work here in St. Louis for Fox 2. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I came here, uh, which is where I met my wife, oh. um, who's from here. Um, so you're not I leaving. Work- so you may, you may leave Hazelwood, but you're not leaving <laughs> St. Louis, right? <laughs> no, no. So yeah, I like to say that I'm, I'm from Minneapolis, but home is St. Louis. Now I initially intended on, uh, staying here for maybe two years and maybe going back home, mm-hmm. but then I met my wife and everything changed, uh, yeah. from there. We caught you. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that is such a great story of how making, finally making a choice actually gave you more choices. So um, I, I just love that. It's so inspirational. Um, so, you know, Anthony, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Do you have a final word of uh, inspiration, of you know, to give to our students who may be on that cusp of, you know, what should I do? I would tell all students and people of all ages to try to identify what you are passionate about. And if you haven't found that just yet, don't get discouraged. Give yourself the time you need to discover that because once you identify your passion and pursue it with all your heart, you will find your purpose in life. I was fortunate that I didn't make a mistake as a teenager that I couldn't come back from. I gave myself the time that I needed to discover what I was passionate about. So by the time I turned 20 and found what I was meant to pursue, I hadn't done damage that I couldn't repair. I was able to come back from it and pursue my passion. And through that, I found my purpose, which is telling my story. That's wonderful. Thank you again so much for being with us today. Thank you. Let's hear from the students. Hi, my name is Aaliyah Bernard, and this is my first week of our first year doing Writer's Week. For my first piece, it's titled Youth, and it speaks on how society has impacted us as a whole. My generation uses social media every day, and as time goes on, it takes a toll on us, especially trends, celebrities, and other things. I don't think social media is a place for kids or teens my age, but I wrote this piece to bring awareness in the way. They have destroyed the youth, serving social media on a silver platter. We swallowed shallow trends and unrealistic ideas of life. They sabotaged the youth, normalizing meaningless bonds and toxicity, quick fixes, temporary remedies, the poor into our adulthood. They forced the youth 
to side with authority, speaking our minds is a form of disrespect. We become cautious, biting our tongues, growing depth of our own opinions. They've convinced the youth, shifted our visions once blurred by wild dreams, shaped into fears and failure. We'll lead and inflict our fears on who's next we destroy the youth. For my second piece, it's titled Ask Me. It wasn't until my senior year when I was filling out college applications and being required to write essays, I noticed my race being used as a stereotype in a way. Most college essay topics were what hardships have you faced or overcome because of your race and other questions like that. Like, is that all I am? Being African-American or Black, you're automatically supposed to be strong or quick to face obstacles as if my skin color is all I am. This piece was definitely written out of frustration. And if you ask me if I am more, I will tell you yes. I am more than the hypocritical essay topics that colleges ask. What struggles have you faced and conquered because of your race? Are my struggles the only thing that is seen? Based on my pigmentation on the light to brown spectrum, does it make them feel less guilty of what their ancestors did to mine or relieve that I didn't fall into the stereotypes? If you ask me my more, I will tell you yes. Don't assume that I am strong based on my pigmentation on the light to brown spectrum. Yes, I've overcome what could have broken most, but if you ask me my more, the answer is yes. Thank you. I'm Andre Beckley and I'm a freshman. This is my piece, This or That. Right, wrong, which one is it? Lost, found, which one is it? Book, TV, which one is it? Well, I choose right from wrong, lost from found, book from TV. I watch too much TV, they say. Get that nose from that book so much, they say. What am I supposed to do? Keep watching TV? Keep reading that romance novel? Yeah, I do that. I keep doing that. When I wake up early, nobody's up. So I watch TV. So I read that book. Two hours pass. No one's up yet. They're going to be up soon. I turn off that TV. I close that book. And I close my eyes to go to bed like nothing's ever happened. Thank you. This is my piece, You Lie. You lie. I lie. Everybody lies. But it's how you lie, not lie on the ground, in the grass. The type of lie you do every day, not telling the truth. Even when it's life and death, you lie. From where you are to what you're doing, why you're doing that, you never tell me anything. We could be gone in the blink of an eye. You wouldn't care, but you would care for something. Not for us, not for them, but for yourself. You make sure you eat. You make sure you go to the bathroom, go to bed. Everything you're supposed to be doing. You care for yourself. Lie on top of lie on top of lie. You're like the boy who cried wolf. Nobody came to save that little boy from the big bad wolf. You want to know why? Because he lied, just like you lie. So I guess you'll just keep lying, keep caring about yourself. It's not going to change for you, but it sure as well will change for us. Thank you. This is my piece, me. The strong me, the weak me, 
the serious me, the Chicago me. They're all me, but all so different. The strong me would stand up for others, never let anyone get in my way. I would be me. The weak me would lock myself in my room, cry myself to sleep, spend an hour in the shower. The serious me would be at school learning a little, but mostly I would be quiet. The Chicago me would be loud, express myself, show people who I really am, and enjoy it with no regrets. This may all be me, but trust me, it's not the half of it, because this is me. Telling you right now may be out of my comfort zone, but I enjoy it. Telling people who I really am so they can see me for who I am. Hopefully, you can see me now. Thank you. This is my piece, Refresh Button. I wish I had one, so I can refresh the past six years of my life. Start something new. Maybe he would still be here, laughing, joking, crying. I think everyone should have one, so they can go back to do the things they regret doing. Have a do-over. You know how simple that would be? Maybe I would have been at the hospital, gotten a car ride to go there. Maybe he would still be here. It could be that simple. To press a button and everything, go back to the way it was before that tragic, horrifying, scary thing happened. Instead of carrying a heart charm everywhere I go, I could be on the phone with him, talking, laughing, crying, enjoying every moment I have with him before I have to say goodbye. I wish I didn't have to say goodbye, only if I had the refresh button. That's on my computer I keep staring at, that little button with the arrow pointed right to it. Only if I had a refresh button. Thank you. Hey everybody, Gingy here. My friend the Muffin Man and I would like to invite you to come see Shrek the Musical at Hazelwood West High School. Performances start Wednesday, April 27th and run through Saturday, April 30th. Each show starts at 7 p.m. Tickets are $8 online or $10 at the door. Be sure to watch for ticket information coming this April. Hope to see you there. Get ready for a bad science joke. Oxygen and magnesium were going out and I was like, OMG. That's it for this episode of Writers Week 2022. Please check out our show notes on Spotify, take part in the daily poll, and check out more information about the participants in today's show. Please consider providing listener support to help ensure the program for future Wildcats. Y'all are fantastic. Have a great day.